This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm Jason Chaffetz. I'm Katie Pavlich. I'm Steve Ducey. And this is the Fox News Rundown. Tuesday, August 1st. 2023. I'm Dave Anthony. A second Trump staffer has been taken to court, accused of helping the former president try to delete security footage in the classified documents case. The question is, will the jury believe the government in saying that the president urged them to destroy the evidence? I'm Jessica Rosenthal. The president says Bidenomics is working. Inflation is down. So is unemployment. But how are Americans feeling about their own bank accounts as they budget for their own households? Yes, my eggs are only up on average, let's say, 4%. And a year ago, it was 9%. So the pain feels better, but it's still pain. And I'm Tammy Bruce. I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown. He is the second Trump employee caught up in the classified documents case. Carlos de Oliveira, a property manager at the Mar-a-Lago Florida Resort, accused of trying to help the former president delete security footage. The Justice Department has unfortunately decided to bring these charges against Mr. De Oliveira. Now it's time for them to put their money where their mouth is. John Irving is his Washington-based lawyer, but de Oliveira still needs a Florida attorney before he can enter a plea, the same thing that initially held up charges against another Trump staffer, Walt Nauta. De Oliveira is charged with conspiracy to obstruct and lying to investigators. The former president accuses special counsel Jack Smith of prosecutorial misconduct. They brought him in because let's get the toughest, most deranged human being that we can find and put him in charge of Trump because they want to take away our election. That was at a Trump rally Saturday in Pennsylvania. He remains the Republican 2024 frontrunner. And that superseding indictment last week that charged de Oliveira added three new charges against the former president. Well, this may be akin to an insurance run in baseball. Jonathan Turley is a Fox News contributor, professor of law at George Washington University. The problem with the Trump indictment is that many of the counts are based on Trump's own lawyers testifying against him. The special counsel really pulled out all the stops on this one, and in doing so, may have created some appellate issues. Courts are leery of having lawyers compelled to testify against their clients. So these are different in the sense that they're not founded in uh, the statements of the attorneys. They're not even dependent upon the original search warrant, which also has raised some challenges by the Trump team. 
they tend to be charges that prosecutors prefer lying to investigators obstructing an investigation those are bread and butter issues for prosecutors yeah you had told us once i know not long ago you said they were the darlings of federal prosecutors they win on these counts a lot don't they they do and particularly the false statements charge is something that prosecutors have a very good batting average on and so i think that obviously it makes it more serious the other purpose here the department of justice often targets low-hanging fruit you know if they can't get enough direct eyewitness testimony they try to flip someone and the easiest way to do it is start at those low level folks that get round up okay. uh, in the criminal justice system. so how important could carlos de Oliveira be then in this case or even walt nauta well, they can be important in the sense that they, the Department of Justice is alleging that President Trump strongly uh, suggested that uh, these security tapes be deleted. And there are other witnesses who have said that President Trump raised that issue, including praising Hillary Clinton's lawyers because they went ahead and just deleted tens of thousands of emails. And Trump is accused in the original indictment of uh, sort of nudging his folks in that same direction. This would be direct evidence, if the government is correct, that President Trump encouraged them to take steps to delete the material. Now, the the videotapes were not deleted. They were handed over to the government. But the government is alleging a conspiracy or effort to obstruct. In defense of the former president, Trump lawyer Alina Haba told Fox News Sunday. What was the obstruction of justice? Because no tapes were deleted. He turned them over. He cooperated, as he always does. But they would like the American public to believe in these bogus indictments. And as for that security footage in question... If President Trump didn't want something turned over, I assure you, that is something that could have been done. But he never would act like that. Okay, he is well, the most ethical American I know. In the end, it may all boil down to this. The question is, will the jury believe the government in saying that the president urged them to destroy the evidence? That's going to depend a lot upon what these individuals say and whether they, in fact, will testify at trial. The government's basing these statements on something. They obviously have testimony from someone indicating that these uh, that this invitation was made or encouragement was made by the former president. Now, when the former president had gone on Fox, Brett Barry interviewed him, talked about this case, you had said that this would have been very cringeworthy for his own lawyers to watch. And and basically, the former president has continually said, look, this is all covered under the Presidential Records Act. He suggested that he didn't even have a document uh, in front of him, though he may be audio or video that shows he might have had one of these documents, one of these secret war on Iran type documents. So how important is that going to be what he has said in his own defense publicly in the case against him? Well, when we first heard of this tape of the president allegedly showing these visitors a classified document, I said that the only defense to that is that it did not happen. The alternative is that it was pure bravado. The president seems to be going, obviously, with the latter. They have the audio tape, so it happened. And the president saying there really wasn't any document. Uh, the, the bravado defense will only take you so far for two reasons. One, 
is even if there wasn't a document, the president's on tape saying, I didn't declassify this and now I can't. That is a direct contradiction to his main defense since this began. He insists that he declassified everything. The second reason it hurts is that it shows a cavalier attitude towards classified documents. Bravado alone is not a good thing when you're suggesting to people that you have classified material sitting on your desk. So it's going to hurt. Uh, make no mistake about it. Now, the key in all of this to keep in mind is that the president obviously can't lose a single count at his age because that can be a terminal sentence. But the special counsel can't lose a single juror. Uh, he's going to have to secure a unanimous verdict. So both sides would go into this trial uh, with high stakes and uncertain results. Back to that Trump rally on Saturday. He claimed the president he's trying to win the job back from is the real criminal. Joe Biden is the most corrupt president in American history. The Biden's colossal scams, money laundering and criminality make Hillary Clinton look like a very beautiful angel. And former President Trump posted on Truth Social, what about the documents case against President Biden? He's being investigated by a different special counsel, Robert Herr, for having classified materials from years past. They are separate. There are some legitimate concerns that no one has heard from Heard. He seems to have vanished. And he seems to be spending a fraction of the amount of money of the other special counsel. Now, Jack Smith does have more to investigate. But we haven't heard of anyone being pulled into grand juries, anyone getting subpoenas. Now, it may be that Heard is just a better prosecutor. He doesn't leak and he's proceeding aggressively the way prosecutors should. But if that's the case, he's unique in these investigations in Washington. All right. You mentioned the things that Jack Smith is working on. He also has another potential indictment that we've been hearing could happen in days. The former president had said he got a target letter, that he is the focus of an investigation into what happened in January 6th, the Capitol riot, also his attempts to overturn the 2020 election. Are we going to get charges in that case? Is it just a matter of when? In any other case, the assumption would be most certainly yes. As a criminal defense attorney, uh, I've never seen or heard of a target letter going out that wasn't followed by an indictment. Uh, they tend to go hand in hand. The question is, for what? I mean, most of us, I can't say most of us, but many of us believe that any effort to indict the president on his speech on January 6th would collapse. Uh, that speech, in my view, is entirely protected. Now, in Georgia, they're also doing this probe into attempts to overturn the election, maybe with the former president charged, maybe associates of the former president could be charged. This would be on top of the case, the hush money case he's already been indicted on in New York, and we have uh, the classified case. I mean, this is all coming as we get ready for this presidential campaign cycle. The first voting is coming up in, in just, you know, in several months in Iowa and New Hampshire and South Carolina and on and on. We've never seen this before. I mean, nobody knows how this is going to play out, but the former president remains by far the front runner. That's right. And the thing to keep in mind is that if President Trump is reelected, uh, he can uh, or elected to a second term, he can pardon himself. So Jack Smith might never see a jury. Well, some uh, of his other Republican rivals have said they would pardon him as well if they were elected. 
That's right. Now, that does not apply to the New York and the Georgia cases. Federal pardons only extend to federal charges. The New York case, in my view, is incredibly anemic, and I would be surprised uh, if it could withstand judicial review. The Atlanta uh, indictment, we just have to read to see what they have. Uh, the, The president is relying a great deal on the advice of counsel. He had lawyers telling him that this is a viable course of conduct. Now, that may be bad legal advice, and that's not always a perfect defense, Uh, But it is a defense. Uh, You know, there were lots of writings at the time about uh, possible ways to challenge a certification. And the key here is that the Democrats previously challenged certification. Even the chair of the January 6th committee in the House previously challenged, using the same law, uh, the election of a Republican president. You know, I was highly critical of Trump during his speech. I I was on the air criticizing that speech. I thought it was wrong. I thought he was wrong on the law. I thought he was wrong about uh, Vice President Pence. I believe Pence did the right thing. I think he did the only thing. But there's a difference between being wrong and being a felon. And that's what we're going to have to look at. Back in the classified documents case, the judge in the case has set a May 20th, 2024 trial date. You had suggested when we spoke prior that you thought this might get pushed until after the election. Do you think May 20th is viable? It's hard to say whether that trial date is going to make it into fruition. Uh, You have a new superseding indictment. You have a new defendant. Uh, that's going to add more work pre-trial. More importantly, you have a lot of classified documents. And I've been lead defense counsel in classified cases. It takes a long time. I mean, everything slows down. You have to look at stuff in a skiff or the special room. It moves like molasses. So can they stick the landing on the May date? It's possible, but I wouldn't bet the farm on it. I mean, and and by the way, if that date moves, this guy's dance card's getting pretty full. I mean, he has prosecutors now pursuing him in four possible different jurisdictions at the same time. So they're going to start to collide with each other. Jonathan Turley, Fox News contributor, constitutional expert, professor of law at George Washington University. Always good to talk to you. Thanks so much. Thank you very much. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This is Tammy Bruce with your Fox News commentary coming up. The president's been traveling about highlighting and pushing his economic agenda. Last week, saying from Maine that things are great. Workers who were left behind are finding better jobs with higher pay. And U.S. GDP grew 2.4 percent in the second quarter. Earlier this week, The Washington Post suggested Republicans may have to find something else to criticize me for. Now that inflation is coming down. Maybe they'll decide to impeach me because it's coming down. I don't know. I love that one. 
But prices are still high, and there's still so much concern about that. The Fed raised rates again last week. Fed Chair Jerome Powell announced the quarter-point rate hike after noting the inflation rates. Inflation has moderated somewhat since the middle of last year. Nonetheless, the process of getting inflation back down to 2% has a long way to go. And while Wall Street is reassessing recession forecasts, some are still feeling the pain, whether it's the cost of housing, medical care, or groceries. And Republicans running for president are pointing it out. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis talked about it from Rochester, New Hampshire, Monday. Costs of life's essentials have gone through the roof. Things like buying a home, purchasing a car, starting a family, Things that used to be the hallmark of the American dream are now cost prohibitive for so many people throughout our country. Americans are frustrated for sure. A Fox News poll from about a month ago found 45% of us feel we're falling behind. Just 11% said they were getting ahead. Three out of four said the economy is only fair or poor. And 60% disapprove of the president's handling of the economy. I love the question when people talk about inflation slowing down. Taylor Riggs is a co-host of The Big Money Show on Fox Business. So the analogy that I try to use is, yes, we are now down to let's say, only increasing prices at 4% a year, whereas a year ago, prices were increasing 9% a year. So on a relative basis year over year, it does look like inflation is decelerating. But the car analogy I love, so we were going 60 miles an hour, now we're going 30 miles an hour, but we're not going in reverse. So your prices are still rising just at a lower rate or at a slower increasing rate. And that is the pain that Americans feel. Yes, my eggs are only up on average, let's say 4%, and a year ago it was 9%. So the pain feels better, but it's still pain. And so I think I try to remind people of that, of inflation in these prices and these price increases have been compounding. Now, to your point, and, and the good news is the Federal Reserve has been raising rates, which is slowing down that rate of acceleration that we just talked about. And for now, it looks like we can have this, quote, soft landing. And all of that means is we may not have a huge recession. You could get a slowdown in inflation without a massive drop in labor or a massive increase in unemployment. Um, And that is good news. No one ever wants to see people out of work. No one ever wants to see layoffs or an uptick in the unemployment rate. Um, But it has been very hard to do in the past. So I think we're hoping for a soft inflation, knowing that history tells us that isn't ever really the case. But let's hope that if a recession comes, it can be quick and we can recover smoothly and as quick as possible. Can we drill down a little bit into sectors? Because I saw a graphic regarding rent. And I know that it's been huge across the country, especially in hot markets. And it is coming down, but only in certain cities was the graphic. Um, And I mean, when I shop for groceries, my bill certainly isn't getting less, to your point, that we're still paying more. Um, So what What sectors are cooling off when we see the data? Yeah, so I think sort of the long-term picture has been the manufacturing sector up until, I believe, a few months ago has been in a recession. So when you think about the manufacturing um, Mm. sector, very much in a recession, uh, the services sector things like travel, uh, going out to restaurants, all of those have held up very well. And that's been the disconnect and frankly, the big change in this post-COVID world where I think the Federal Reserve and labor market economists are still so 
shocked and floored by the strength of the consumer who has so mm. much still pent up demand that they're still shopping. They're still going to the grocery store. They're still going out to eat. They're still going to Taylor Swift concerts, <laughs> even though tickets are thousands of dollars, um, that they are pulling back in other areas like the goods sector. And so that's where you're seeing goods and items that let's say we used to go and buy furniture or buy shampoo, high-end shampoo. You know, mm. you're starting to see pullback in some of those fun items, um, but still very much continuing to spend on those experiences because we all know what it was like not to have those during COVID. Oh, good point. Yeah, I was going to ask about that disconnect because on the one hand, you have like Wall Street kind of acting optimistic and Goldman Sachs downgraded the likelihood of a recession to just 20% as opposed to 35%. Um, And yet poll after poll, Americans, despite spending thousands on T-Swift, are still pretty pessimistic about the economy, right? We see like all these polls about being really worried about an inflation being the top issue. So what is that the disconnect that there was just this, they have, they still have some cash and there's this pent up demand? Yeah, I think there is still some cash though. Those have been dwindling. So when you think about the reserve cash on the sidelines, stimulus money that we got from the pandemic, uh, we've been using a lot of those to fund some of those fund purchases that we talked about. Those are starting to dwindle a little bit, but um, consumers are still very much picking and choosing where they do and don't want to spend. You know, I I think Wall Street looks at this and they're looking at, okay, if the labor market hangs in there, we may not get that deep, big recession. Remember how hard it was to find workers during COVID where Mm -hmm. employers were desperate to find workers. And so now that maybe they don't need them, I think they're afraid to let them go because they knew how hard it was to find a worker in the first place. And so when we talked about that great resignation or quitting without giving two weeks notice, or if you don't give me 10% raise, this company down the street will, and I'll go to there. I think employers still feel very scarred from that. And so maybe they're not letting people go the way they would in a normal recession. And that I think is what's fueling some of the optimism that we get from the Goldman Sachs economist, for example, that you mentioned Mm -hmm. saying for now, people have jobs and they are spending the downside of that, of course, will be what does our credit card debt look like? What is a credit card interest rate of 22% look like? Yes. What does an auto loan that is variable and not fixed look like when now auto rates and mortgage rates are starting to go up? Those are sort of the issues I think that we're still dealing with. Taylor, you probably saw this as well, that new survey from the Thriving Center of Psychology it found 85% of millennials and Gen Zers say getting married is unnecessary and 73% said cost was a, a, yeah. a factor. And we see delays in people of those generations having children, less interest in, in kids, um, and citing a tough economy, making it harder to provide the home mm-hmm. and the two cars and, and all of those mm-hmm. things that you sort of picture. I, I guess that's a macro question longer term question, Mm -hmm. but it sounds like something that sort of needs to be dealt with now. I don't even know. Are are there people grappling with that? That sort of bigger picture of how we get on track, like get back on track there? I think 100%. I think, and I 
got married a year ago and I love my husband, but my accountant said there are great tax benefits to filing as a married person as well. So feel free to take (laughs) advantage of those. So for people who say it's not worth it financially, of course, if you're in a loving relationship, that was the first goal. But getting the tax status by filing as a married person also helped. That is a joke. We'll move forward (laughs) from that. I think when you think about the labor economists, um, I am a millennial. I sort of grew up in this age, and I'm wondering if you can relate, where economists were very concerned about the lack of household formation. You had millennials who were moving to cities, but rent was expensive. We weren't leaving for the suburbs to form families. We weren't having children, which was impacting population growth and labor supply. Now, some of that has changed in COVID um, when you have seen a shift to suburban centers out of the big urban area. You have started to see millennials create family formation, help boost the labor supply by having children. And so I think economists are relieved uh, by that, but it happened a lot later. Uh, We all had a huge setback in the 2008 financial crisis where we couldn't afford homes. Maybe we saw our parents lose half the value of their home. And then of course we weren't getting raises. Now with inflation, people are getting raises. Now I know that after inflation, some of those wages still feel negative or not good enough to keep up with the rate of inflation. But I am wondering if maybe people are starting to feel like, can they start to think about forming those households again? Mm. Uh, Inflation is the tricky question though, because up until a month ago, you now had 26 straight months of negative real wages, which meant my raise was lower than inflation. I was getting poor every month. So that's sort of the tricky thing I think that economists look at big picture, that macro level that you were talking about of how do we think about an economy and a labor force that isn't doing maybe more typical what we thought they would do the way previous generations have. And finally, and this relates to the economy, it's big financial news right now. The yellow trucking company mm-hmm. appears to be closing. It looks like that might mean 30,000 jobs are gone. And I, I guess the question is, right, when you see a, a big established company like that go down, um, especially as it relates to a major sector like transportation, is this internal financial struggles, you know, due to how the company was handling mergers and whatnot, or or is this a, a one-off? I mean, yeah, is Great this a question. one-off relating to that company, or is mm-hmm. this a, bro- a bigger signal or indicator? I'm going to cop out and say both. I think there were some <laughs> idiosyncratic issues within that company, within management, the way they handled mergers and maybe handled putting everyone on the same back office, but not then merging other aspects of the business. Mm. I think the way that they handled or not their debt load and whether that was reasonable or not. And there were some execution problems within that company that were very clear in the last 10, 15 years. On a macro level though, 22 of those 30,000 employees that you mentioned were unionized. There have been a lot of conversations right now about the power of unions and demanding or not a certain amount of raises, certain amount of benefits, and if it's pushing some of these companies over the edge or not. I think a lot of economists look at this and wonder the wage price spiral. So UPS, for example, asking for a 35% wage increase in the first year. Yeah. 
does that mean then that all of our groceries have to go up 35% as well? Because someone has to pay for that. Those costs have to be passed on to the consumer. I'm not saying UPS was in the right or the wrong for doing that, but those are big conversations. You have airline strikes going on, the rider strike going on, and it is this conversation about wages. And so I think companies are starting to look at this and trying to figure out how does it impact our bottom line? How and when do we pass those costs onto the consumer if they don't want to eat those costs themselves? Um, so yeah, yellow trucking, it, it's a sad story. I think it was a 99-year-old company um, trying to reach 100 years. And so there were a lot of, I think, different issues going on, um, certainly. But it's one to watch, um, given that it's within that huge transportation and logistics space. Um, I hope the cost of our goods don't go up. Uh, but that's a good wait-and-see story. Taylor Riggs, host of The Big Money Show on Fox Business. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks. Did you hear the news? Now you can. With instant updates from Fox News for Amazon Alexa. Just say, Alexa, play news from Fox. In Fox News. It's the latest when you need it. On demand from Fox News and Amazon Alexa. Subscribe to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Tammy Bruce. What's on your mind? It's that time of year again. As the summer heat continues, Democrats are feverishly whipping up hysteria about global warming in an effort to induce a national panic attack and frighten us into surrendering more of our freedoms. This means spending more on energy, paying higher taxes and radically changing our way of life. But it's not just the fear mongering that energizes certain politicians. They also like to condemn their political enemies for having the astounding power of making it hot outside. The left-wing media are joining in this effort, disseminating misleading stories about how greenhouse gases emitted by the combustion of coal, oil, and natural gas are creating hell on earth this month and beyond with soaring temperatures. Got to keep the fear ramped up. So forget about global warming. Our betters have decided the new deadly nightmare of global boiling has arrived. I'm not kidding you. Breaking news for the global climate alarmists. Summer is always hot. And some summers are hotter than others. But Democrats and their leftist handlers want us to believe we're experiencing the hottest summer ever so that they can come to our rescue with their all-purpose solution for every perceived crisis. Make big government even bigger. Fund it with even higher taxes. Empower it to impose ever more draconian regulations and force us all to fall in line and follow orders. The latest scaremongering headline has the Democrats and the left-wing media loudly and misleadingly proclaiming global temperatures in June and July were the hottest ever and warning that temperatures will continue to rise due to greenhouse gas emissions. But there are several big problems with these claims. 
First, there's some dispute over exactly how to measure the average global temperature. In an op-ed this month in the Wall Street Journal, Steve Malloy, a senior legal fellow at the Energy and Environment Legal Institute, presents a convincing case that the average global temperature on July 3rd and 4th this year was actually 57.5 degrees Fahrenheit and not the 62.6 degrees estimated by the University of Maine. If true, this means the temperature was not a record high. Second, in 2021, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration excitedly told us that another summer heat record was broken by less than a one-hundredth of a degree, beating the previous hottest summer of all time in 1936. But now don't fret. It really, really is getting worse and worse. And we must implement President Biden's policies to save our lives and our economy from the unrelenting summer heat, except for those pesky 85 years between 1936 and 2021. Third, global temperatures have only been tracked since 1850, a tiny fraction of the Earth's history, which goes back more than 4.5 billion years Quote, compared to most of Earth's history, today is unusually cold. We now live in what geologists call an interglacial, a period between glacialations of an ice age, end quote, according to the U.S. government website climate.gov. All this shows that the only thing consistent about global temperatures is that they have always been changing with and without human beings being in the picture. What's most important to understand about the global warming hysteria preached by progressives is that it's not really about the environment at all. It's a pretext to give the government greater power to control our lives. As free men and women, we must see their agenda for what it is and refuse to submit to the loss of our liberty. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. And now, stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Hey, it's Will Kane, co-host of Fox & Friends Weekend. Join me as I share my thoughts on a wide range of topics, from sports and pop culture to politics and business. The Will Kane Podcast. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine.